today. Woke corporations tried to destroy another big conservative. People are still getting arrested for not wearing masks. You're not going to believe this one. And we talked to the king of YouTube law, Nick Rakita, about the Alex Murdoch verdict. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and happy Friday. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. announced today that PNC Banking and Financial Services has abruptly dumped him without cause. Now, he previously had a business account with the company for his company MXM, which features an app designed to curate news stories of the day, like, say, a conservative version of Apple News or Google News. His business partner, Taylor Budowich, said he only first learned of the abrupt closure of the company's PNC account when he visited a Florida branch office to pay vendor invoices. He told Fox News the teller said he was unable to complete the transfers as the account had been closed and balance had been zeroed out. After being told to call a generic helpline, I was informed by the PNC representative that per the terms and conditions, PNC reserves the right to reevaluate their business relationships at any time and terminate accounts without cause. PNC has released a public statement on the matter saying account closures can occur for a variety of reasons, but are never influenced by the political views or affiliations of our customers. We've looked closely into the circumstances surrounding the closure of Rock Digital, which is the parent company account, and determined it was mistakenly closed due to a good faith error. We have reopened the account and we apologize for any inconvenience. Mm, I am so sure that that's what it is and definitely not another victim of ESG and woke corporations trying to eliminate conservatives from society. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm off base. Maybe I've just turned into too much of a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But I'm, I have some people that I would like to ask uh, about this including Eric July, Blaze TV contributor and founder and owner of Ripiverse Comics and Blaze TV contributor John Doyle, host of Heck Off Commie. Um, have I gotten just too conspiratorial? Not necessarily. Um, I could say this obviously from experience, considering that I had, I don't mm -hmm. know, $1.3 million mm -hmm. ended up in uh, one company that- Yeah, Eric's trying to tell you he's rich now and <laughs> no, I don't know why he keeps coming to this show. That's not necessarily he's rich. It. It's that I've been, uh, let's he's, say, he's, he's big, a big time, like parallel economy guy now. OK, he's been super successful. Go buy his comics. Ripiverse.com. Yeah, Did I get had, that right? You get this hat, actually. Ripiverse.com. And a shirt. You can get both of them. OK, so make sure that you go do that and support him so that he can become a multimillionaire. <laughs> Until his account gets closed from, by PNC, I hope you don't. Do you bank at PNC? No, I don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't. Had, well, had good I, thing. Yeah, had I get, got this information, <laughs> I would have stopped and dropped him. Uh, period. But you know, I, I highly doubt that this is one of those cases where it was an honest mistake. Usually, on stuff like this, especially with an account kind of closure, it usually goes through uh, several different channels. Yeah, you have so, to. You have to like. Yeah, because you can't just close someone's someone, especially a business account, because you that can be real. You have to go into it. Yeah. You have to go through steps. Yeah. And clicking yeah. buttons. And not and just that, it has to more likely be vetted by this person. And so, no, that had, they just got, you know, caught. It was made a big deal. And then they're, now they're trying to correct the mistake. I do think that anybody uh, that's just like not a leftist that deals with this sort of stuff, when you start to see that banks are doing this, this ridiculousness, pull out 
immediately. If you can, get your stuff out of there. Try to find a new uh, a new bank. There are a lot more that are kind of popping up, alternative methods for people to be able to fund themselves that are uh, popping up uh, these days, and people are. And this is really where I think that people that do have money probably should be looking mm-hmm. into um, uh, getting into, and that's the sort of banking industry uh, per se. But for them to pretend like, okay, this is a, a, an issue, which they always do. They do that all the time. Well, they'll come out, put out a statement. It was an honest mistake. We didn't mean to just zero out someone's account that probably had hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of dollars in it. That was just a, a accident Oopsies. in good faith. Yeah, like, my, my bad. We've corrected the issue. Please uh, mo- move on. But I guess that's because they think that they're not supposed to see any consequence to those sorts of actions. I highly doubt that they're sorry at all. But when you see stuff like that, when it happens in entertainment and people make it abundantly clear, for example, that they hate you, I think that's when uh, it's on everybody else. When you see that example, to make a decision for yourself Mm -hmm. and say, you know what? Okay, we're going to reroute our funds somewhere else. And I think that's how the kind of course of this whole ordeal that we deal with with Folks being silenced, folks being um, uh, uh, crippled in some kind of way in terms of their business because of their political views. That stuff doesn't end until we start withholding funds from these idiots. Yeah, I mean, it's not just PNC, right? This is a long list of financial institutions or financial services. You had PayPal uh, most recently. Uh, You have what GoFundMe Mm -hmm. that also is withholding funds if they don't, you know, align with your political views. I mean, it it really is like. I made light of it earlier, you know, talking about Eric being, okay, great, you're a multimillionaire. Where are you going to put your banking services? But it really is. I mean, it get it, to me, it's getting kind of scary out here to be a conservative, especially when you are, look, those of you who are like sitting at home and you're not out there on TV, I'm not saying we're better than you. I'm saying I'm scared personally as a target because we're out there saying the things that need to be said. And clearly uh, you pay a price for that. Yeah, and right now I think it does buy us time to invest in these parallel institutions mm-hmm. and have a parallel economy. But at some point we're going to have to correct the mistakes of the previous generations and simply like have the will to assert ourselves. Because for so long the left has been taking things to the extreme and the right's response hasn't been to counter that necessarily, but to instead be like, well, we can talk about it. We can like find middle ground. And so they keep inching and inching and then finally miles are gone and we're where we are now. So we really just need to like find that passion and that belief in ourselves again as a country and as a nation, as a culture, to like assert and trust ourselves to know that like this is right, what you guys are doing is wrong, and it actually isn't unpopular to hold our ideas. They're like very normal because these companies can get away with doing things like that because it is right now socially popular to punish normal ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times the conservative diagnosis of this is incorrect. I don't know what the solution is, but I know what the problem is. The problem isn't some like, you know, Chad, like 55-year-old CEO who's, you know, going in and getting a memo across his desk about like, oh, we have to like sell Hershey bars that are trans now. What it is, is it's like these activists in middle management yep. and then the HR department. Yeah. yeah. Who staffs yeah. the HR department? People who are the most likely to be susceptible to emotionally based propaganda. It's like 75% female. It just is what it is. And so until we address the HR problem no and we address the middle management problem, which was predicted so wonderfully by James Burnham, I think, in the 1940s, we're not going to be able to solve the woke capitalism problem. It's just going to keep getting worse. Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes me, you, you guys know I do a lot of you know activism um, when it comes to the the drag queen stuff and the sexualization of children. And I so often tell people, like, guys, I'm happy to do it, but I need people to help. I need you guys to show up as well. And when this type of thing happens, 
to those of us who are actually speaking out openly. And it's like, I get it. I get why someone who's sitting at home right now watching this program rather than going out in the trenches, it makes you it, it makes you go, all right, I guess I understand why you're not open because you you openly talk about these types of things and your entire livelihood is threatened. I mean, I had a um, I had someone who actually showed up to protest one of these. It was a drag queen bingo in Katy, Texas, and was very, you know, like he thought that he should tell his company because he appeared in a, in a video. He thought he should tell his company, hey, I just want to let you know this is what I was doing in case you see it online. Um, it was a peaceful protest. I didn't break any laws, but just wanted to let you know. Not the decision I would have made, but, you know, he was trying to be forthcoming. And he he got in trouble with his with his organization. So it really does. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I have this inner conflict, this push and pull of like, I know, but you, I need you anyway, right? Like, I need you to join me in the fight anyway. But it does give me some empathy for people who don't want to get involved. You know what? There's another example of that uh, on a much greater magnitude, I think, with our friend Kyle Rittenhouse, mm-hmm. where one of the potential jurors in, like, the pool rescinded himself because he thought he would be biased because he believed in the Second Amendment. Yeah. And so you've got this, you know, older conservative guy who believed that he would be biased in this case because he, like, affirmed what our founding fathers outlined in the Constitution. And it's one of these examples where we've got people on our side who are voting for our guys, but then they have these principles, and they're like, well, I care more about the principles than I do about this kid's life and everything. And it's like, you can't do that. Don't lie and don't do anything illegal. But in terms of volunteering information because you want everything to be contextualized and completely fair— why would you do that? They're cutting off your son's penis. Like, why, why, why at this point in the game would you try to do that and, like, have your principles? Like, get in the mud with these people. Do it legally. Don't break any laws. But, like, punish them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I want to I go to one more uh, story here before we have to take a break. So earlier this week, a California man, I'm sure you're not surprised that it's California when I tell you what happened. A California man was arrested for not wearing a mask at a Kaiser Permanente location for his eye appointment. Uh, he posted a, a video talking about it on Twitter. Here's what he had to say. Hey, everyone. My name is Jordan Henry. And today I was arrested for not wearing a mask at a Kaiser Permanente in Pasadena, California. This was for an eye appointment to get new glasses, new prescription. And uh, today is the 28th of February, 2023. It is actually the official end date of the statewide COVID emergency in California. Uh, And Kaiser has very little justification, certainly legally, to require a mask. It's purely a policy issue. Regardless, they called the police on me. Uh, Two police, Pasadena police officers showed up, plus a third sergeant, none of which were wearing masks themselves. Uh, I asked them why they weren't, and two of them did put on masks after that. But the third one who didn't, you know, he thanked me actually for what I was doing. He agreed with me. His court date is May 20th uh, of this year. I just, the amount of like weak energy that goes with calling the police on someone for not wearing a stupid mask that doesn't work, as this guy right here likes to call them a face diaper. You're not wearing a face diaper that doesn't even work to get your eyes checked and you're going to call the police. And these weak 
ass men, the ones who went along with it anyway, actually show up and arrest you. Like, it blows my mind we're still talking about this. This is, today is, by the way, just as a reminder, today is March 3rd, 2023, and we're still talking about masks from 2020. Yeah, um, it's funny, huh? When police, uh, oh, well, I agree with you. Uh, and I get in the back still of the, gonna, uh, yeah. getting the back still in the car. Still gonna arrest you anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, serve and protect. Uh, but no, so on, a, on a serious note, like um, I have to always, and I talk about this on the show all the time, where you know, you got to kind of take a step back and remind myself that you know, this pocket of the not just this country but the world still doing this charade here with this whole mask thing. Um, it's kind of easy to forget about that, especially being out here where you're not dealing with that really anywhere you go, hardly uh, at all anymore, at least not in my, my experience, not dealing with that, not dealing with looks or anything, or, uh, didn't care when I was, but you know, mm -hmm. we're, not, we're over that hump. But there are areas where they're still on that. It's like a different, different area, different demographic. And uh, I think this alone, I know it, I'm kind of making a stretch here, but I'm, I'm OK with that. But I think this alone just makes like, why am I sharing a government, you know, with, right. I don't know, people in California that think it's OK to put people in prison or jail, excuse me, uh, for having a face diaper on. Uh, just goes to show how vastly different that we are. And that's OK. But I don't want to share a government with you. Isn't it just so on point? It's just so perfect that a medical community that advocates chopping children's breasts and genitalia off and, and you know, giving them irreversible hormone treatment is the same medical community who insists that you still wear a mask in 2023, even though all of the scientific data shows that wearing the mask doesn't work. I mean, I couldn't think of like a, perf a more perfect representation. Yeah, and then if you try to call the police on like the clinics performing those surgeries or the right. gay bars hosting these types of events, the police would get there and be like, you guys are pretty mad, aren't you? We're gonna stand here and protect them because yeah. you guys look like you might get a little bit too agitated. So it's very backwards. It's like you go to California, it reminds you of that story of, uh, it was like some Japanese soldier after World War II who refused to believe that the empire had surrendered and he stayed like rogue in the wilderness fighting for like 30 years. And then his superior had to visit him and tell him like, it's actually over, like COVID's over, you don't have to keep doing this. Or maybe it's like old yeller, you go to California and these people are like growling and she's like, oh, you have rape. We, we, we're not going to fix you, can we? We have to just put you down. <laughs> There's no solving this problem. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Chamonix. So Chamonix uh, is there to for those of you who are, you know, you need to find the secret to great skincare. Well, Mary and her husband from Faith, North Carolina, uh, were they were on a quest to find that as well. And uh, Mary says, my husband and I both noticed that our skin is softer and smoother after having used the GenuCell products faithfully for just a few weeks. Our skin looks brighter, our wrinkles look softer and less noticeable, and the bags under my eyes are less visible. So happy. Best of all, they're easy to use and apply, even for my husband. Uh, which, by the way, men can use skincare too. I know you men don't like to take care of your skin. You don't like to wash your face, but you should. It really does work for dark spots, uh, you know, sagginess, if you got like a sagging jawline or eye puffiness. Um, my favorite Jenny Cell product is the immediate effects. You're going to see results in 12 hours or your money back. Uh, I'm sorry, for 12 hours or your money back. 12 hours to wait would be a really long time. You're going to see the results for 12 hours uh, or your money back. You can go to geniacell.com slash Y for a surprise savings at checkout. Uh, that is geniacell.com slash Y. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Y.
after a six-week trial, disgraced South Carolina attorney Alex Murdaugh was found guilty of murdering his wife and son, Maggie and Paul. And uh, while the judge could have imposed a minimum sentence of 30 years, he received two life sentences to run consecutive without the possibility of parole. Here is that moment. The state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch defendant, indictment for murder, SC code 16-3-0010, CDR code 0116, Verdict, guilty, signed by the four lady, date 3-2 of 23. Uh, now, one of the jurors already went and spoke out on Good Morning America. I guess he was like chomping at the bit for that moment. And he said that the jury deliberated for only 45 minutes before coming to this unanimous verdict. Here's some of that. When you first got in the room, you took a vote? It was two not guilty one not sure, and nine guilty. What was your vote? Guilty. From the start? Yes. Moyer says it didn't take long to get everyone on the same page. He started deliberating, going through the evidence. Everybody was pretty much talking. And about 45 minutes later, we, after all our deliberating we figured it out so it took basically 45 minutes for you guys to come to a decision probably about 45 maybe an hour that's really fast the evidence was clear that was so south carolina after all my deliberate all the deliberating we uh came to the conclusion i want to welcome to the program as i teased earlier the king of youtube law i feel like nick rakita uh nick we're happy that you're joining us so i'm sitting here with eric july uh john doyle neither of whom i'm sure even followed any of this did you guys follow it i followed nick following it not <laughs> <laughs> so like twice removed following yeah. it. Um, I studied this very closely, like prim <laughs> primary source documents. Right, I was John. watching the trial. So, so Nick, so I always feel really dumb talking to an actual attorney because I'm just the dork who binge watched the, the Netflix documentary and immediately I had not watched one moment of the trial. But after I watched the documentary, I was like, oh, he's totally guilty. I know he did it. Um, but I want to talk to someone much smarter than me, obviously, about this case because I, I, I know and I want you to speak to this because uh, you're the smart one in the room. Um, there wasn't any, to my knowledge, direct evidence that they found. There wasn't like they didn't find the guns that linked back to him. They didn't find his DNA. They didn't they didn't find any of that. This was all totally circumstantial. Um, is that like rare for a jury to come to this conclusion this quickly uh, with no direct evidence? Oh, Lord, you set me up with all of that smart talk. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yes. Look, just don't blow it is all I'm saying. Oh, God. Uh, no, uh, it's as for how common it is, I, I couldn't tell you how common it is. It, it does seem extremely fast for a case when you consider that the uh, the jury heard, what, six weeks of testimony mm -hmm. um, rather than three weeks of testimony that they were originally supposed to hear. And we're supposed to determine that uh, without like you said, without any direct evidence, they don't they don't have a murder weapon. They don't know where the murder weapons are. 
Um, they don't have any eyewitnesses. They don't have any video. They don't have anything actually putting Alex Murdaugh as uh, at the crime scene at the time that they died. They can't even tell you exactly when they died. It's all based on when they stopped using their cell phones. And that's kind of a crazy concept when you think about it, that if you set your cell phone down for 15 minutes, that you died at the beginning of that 15 minutes rather than anywhere in between uh, the beginning and the end. When you look at this case, there there really isn't much evidence at all. And I, I love that the jurors sat, sat there and said, well, all of the evidence was clear. It's like, well, what, what evidence? Like, what what mm -hmm. one? What one thing was there? Um, to me, it seems like Alec Murdoch was convicted based on his personality, his character, and his, uh, his other crimes, of which there is ample, ample evidence and lots of admissions. Yeah, it, they seemed to, to tie it all on that the video, as you pointed out. I think that we have it. I, I'd like to play it. The, this Snapchat video that Paul, his son, posted minutes before uh, they say that the two of them were killed. And you can hear uh, Alec, I don't, they say Alex and Alec. I don't know which one it is, but you can hear Alex Murdaugh um, in the background talking with the two of them. And this is like, this is what the juror said. We're hanging our hat on this. This made it clear that he did it. Uh, here's that video. They're in their dog kennels. Get them. This is Paul with the dog. Very cute dog, by the way. Quick, Cash. Come on. Quick. That's okay. Come here. There you can hear Alex. Come here, Cash. Come here. Again. Hey, he's got a bird in his mouth. There you can hear He gave Maggie his wife. That was it. That was it. That was it. So as much as I want to, Nick, as much as, again, me, just like a, a, the, a, just a typical peasant binge watching a Netflix documentary, I'm like, oh, he's a killer. He has to go to prison. This guy just got two consecutive life sentences without parole. And the juror who spoke out says it all came down to a video where you can hear him in the background while everyone is still alive. Do you think, was this, a, was this wrong was this a wrong call uh, by the jurors? Okay, so there's there's a little bit of complication to that video that I want to I want to clear up. Um, while the video itself does put him there a few minutes uh, before the state says that they were murdered, um, you know we we don't know the video doesn't put him there at the time of murder. It doesn't capture the murder or anything like that. Yeah. But there's more to it than just this video existing that I think the juror just wasn't really. Uh, fully articulating. And that's that the biggest problem for Alec in this case was that he didn't admit to being there to investigators. When they asked him when the last time he saw his wife and son was, uh, it was at dinner before this. And he does not mention actually going down to the kennels uh, and, and being present for this Snapchat video or this entire, any of this event. So there is a material misrepresentation that he made. I wasn't there between this time and this time. It's like, well, actually you were. Mm -hmm. And I think that lie is, is really what sells him under for the jury. Now that lie could be explained in a lot of ways. It could be explained as not a lie. He's a known opioid abuser. He, uh, you know, is potentially under the stress of finding his wife and son murdered when he's questioned, um, you know, all of, all of these things. But when you've got a guy going before the jury and having to admit that he lied to investigators on the night of his, uh, the murder of his wife and son, that's going to look bad. 
it's always going to look bad and there's there's no way around it. And I I think that that lie or mistake or whatever it was is really where that conviction comes from more than the the content of the video. It's that the video disproves mm. his his main uh portion of his alibi. The problem that I have with all that is the rest of his alibi holds up just fine. There's nothing suspicious about his activity. The suspicious thing is that his wife and son end up dead. Uh, but everything else is completely mundane. But this one lie that uh, that puts him down there um, shortly before the murders, just that that is the issue that he he ran into. As for whether or not the jury got it wrong, uh, my opinion on this is that the jury was probably going to convict him the whole time. I think his reputation in South Carolina uh, is bigger than you can get in a you know just filtering out a jury pool. I think that the once the financial crimes came in, you really solidify the deal. I mean, this this guy has stolen tons of money from people. And when people are willing to steal a bunch of money, people automatically assume they're kind of willing to go further and do other crimes. And um, but uh, for me, it's it's not even really about whether he did it or not. For me, it's about does the state present a case adequate to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? And in this case, there are competing problems uh, that still exist. I mean, you have the state's uh, expert witness on the on ballistics saying that it's reasonable to assume that there were two shooters. It's as reasonable to assume there are two shooters as there is one. And that was repeated in their closing argument. Well, to me, if it's just as reasonable that there's two shooters as there is one shooter, you've got a problem with this case that is now in the reasonable doubt territory. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of other issues with the cell phone data, not matching the, the, the telemetry from the SUV that puts this cell phone at a, at a place where it shouldn't be at the time that it's expected to be somewhere else. There's issues with the, the walking data being picked up by the cell phones, uh, not being picked up when they're supposed to both be on the same person at the same time. There's all sorts of weird stuff that leads to me to reasonable doubt, but juries are charged with finding guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, and their determination is the ultimate one. So while I may see it and they don't, uh, that difference of opinion means that he goes to prison forever. Yeah. Well, um, Nick, we appreciate you giving us your uh, your expertise here. I think we're all big uh, big fans of yours, and we appreciate you Thank coming you. on. But you gotta. I'm going to put you on the record. Will you come back to the program? Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Fabulous. Call. Okay, good. We would love to have you. And make sure that you guys are following Nick on YouTube, uh, Rakita Law. He is a, a tremendous follow. And uh, we appreciate you, Nick. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, guys. Also, make sure that you have liked and subscribed to the News and Why It Matters YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you. Smash the like button or whatever the, it is that the cool kids are saying these days. Um, but uh, we're, we got to take a quick break. First, we want to uh, tell you about the fearless roll call. You turn on the news or open up Twitter these days and one thing becomes blatantly obvious. The world is in desperate need of godly men. Uh, more on that in a minute. Men must not give up meeting together and encouraging one another towards love and good deeds. This has always been true, but it might never have been truer than it is today. The world is full of cynicism and darkness. Godly men still need to stand together in fellowship and prayer. That's what inspired Jason Whitlock to organize Fearless Army Roll Call. It's an all-day event to encourage men to put on the full armor of God and take a stand against the evil forces destroying American culture. At this conference, you're gonna hear speeches from Jason, several other special guests. This will inspire you to be a better husband, father, and witness of Christ. 
Roll Call will inspire, uplift, and even entertain. Join hundreds of like-minded men in Nashville on April 15th for this conference. Tickets are going to sell out, so make sure you go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com to reserve your spot. That is fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Vice President Kamala Harris's husband, Doug Emhoff, believes, uh, you know, we just have a problem with uh, toxic masculinity around these here parts. And he is dedicating himself to making sure to speak out against that toxicity in masculine men. Watch. A moment ago, I asked you about a question about gender roles. I want to dive in even deeper on that. And just can we just talk about masculinity for a moment? Um, these two words want to talk about that. gentlemen okay. changed your own view of perceived gender roles or what it means to be a man? Whew, that's, this is something I've, I've thought about a lot, is something it? I've spoken about a lot. There's oh. too much of toxicity, oh. it, it, masculine toxicity out there. Mm. That we've kind of confused what it means to be a man, what it means I to be masculine, that. where mm -hmm. you've got this trope out there that you've got to be tough and you know angry and, and lash out to be strong. I just, just the opposite. Mm, wow, I am definitely, I, you guys should take your masculinity advice from uh, those two yahoos over there, definitely. Um, it's fascinating to me because you listen to him say, people, oh, people say that if you're masculine, you have to be angry and lash out at people. I literally know no one who says that. No one. So. Masculinity inherently is not toxic. And if you are toxic, that is not behaving in a masculine way, I would argue. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not a man. I would also say that uh, he talks about we've, we've confused people. Yes, we have confused people. You're confusing an entire generation of males that they are, in fact, female. So I'd say maybe that's where the confusion problem is, not confusing them to be more masculine. If anything, we need more masculinity. Uh, we need males to be more masculine rather than feminizing them, which is exactly what this guy and his wife, I almost said his husband, you know, same thing, uh, his wife intends to do. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, um, and this is something that's been going on in other aspects or like, I guess, industries as well. Um, you know, there was a story that came out not too long ago about the writers for this old Dungeons & Dragons uh, show that Christopher Pines in, and the two writers flat out admitted that um, they wrote these characters to be emasculated. That's the specific term that they wow. use. Not even making that up. You guys can go look it up uh, yourself. They said they thought it would be funny and fresh as if we haven't seen so many examples of that. And these uh, are males? These are males, two, two male writers that are writing these male characters um, and to what? be, yeah, like emasculated. That's the specific term that they use because I think uh, that's what they want. Obviously, that's something that their side, look, let's be completely honest. You don't get... Whatever you want to call whatever the hell this is <laughs> that we have in American culture that is um, on the consistent decline, con constant decline, if masculinity was something that people, specifically men obviously, took pride in, uh, for lack of better terms, you won't be in the position that you're in right now. Uh, you have a, definitely with this upcoming generation, soft generation, uh, effeminate uh, generation of people that are identifying as very bizarre things uh, these days being completely confused as they are continuously lectured that somehow their masculinity is a, a fundamental problem when it in itself is what made if you are going to take the good things from what America has uh, been able to uh, enable for all of us as individuals it has been 
uh, through these efforts of uh, masculinity. And they are constantly chipping away at that. And they use like these figures and, and, and things that people, uh, I guess, see as like legitimate sources of uh, information, though I don't think you should consider entertainment that. Unfortunately, a lot of young people uh, do that. It's something I've been trying to get conservatives certainly to understand regarding this whole cultural kind of situation. So all he's doing is paying lip service to really all of the efforts that you see top to bottom, all these institutions from uh, education, entertainment, and so forth. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. reveals, too, like the background of these people. I mean, the politicians who want to talk about this, no cool person has ever like become a politician in general. You know, there are exceptions <laughs> to this. But the type of person who becomes a career politician, okay, these yeah. are the kids who were wearing suits to school. They weren't dating cheerleaders. They're probably getting shoved into lockers by jocks. And so their concept of masculinity is like, these people aren't mean to me or whatever. And so they're just like waging a war on it. But uh, he has it completely backwards. I mean, mm-hmm. what he's describing is when you take feminine behavior and put it into like a male's body Uh, and and vice versa too you know toxic femininity would be when you have like a woman who's acting like a man but in the worst way possible it's just totally backwards like masculinity is about being in control of your environment being in control of your emotions no one's ever saw a guy get like really mad about something stupid and been like wow he's like just like Clint Eastwood this is so cool like (laughs) there's a time to be angry there's a time to be tough but it's not all the time and the reason too that this is a really dangerous message to sell to young boys is because no one's going to respect them including Mm. themselves because, you know, we can live in this safe, cushy society or whatever, but if something bad happens, everyone in the room is going to look towards a man, like whoever's, you know, the most physically fit man probably be like, okay, what are we doing? And if that guy starts melting down, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've ever been around a family and, like, a kid falls off a swing or something, kid immediately looks at his dad and is like, well, what do I do? How do I react? If the mom's there and she's like, oh, my baby, then he's going to start crying. But, like, if it's just the dad, he's going to be like, nah, you're fine. The kid's, like, so true. And then just gets back to playing. So that's why it's important. I So you mentioned the, the concept of toxic femininity. Femininity. Oh, yes. Say that five times fast. I... So I, I agree with your point. I mean, I would I would like to, again, make the distinction. I, I don't think that you can have that. I don't think that there is such a thing as toxic masculinity. I don't think there is such a thing as toxic femininity. But playing into their idea that there is such a thing, we never hear about this toxic femininity from, from the left, right? We only hear about the toxic masculinity. Nobody seems to want to say that uh, women can, like, be sometimes. Well, because they benefit both from women being men being because then it just makes people well, completely like on a, you said it so I can <laughs> we all want equality and so the B word is worse probably <laughs> what? that's not true oh, pusillanimous men being pusillanimous that's where it comes from by the way fun fact a little linguistic history for everybody um, they benefit from that because when you have women who are disagreeable they want to be these girl bosses all of a sudden like men are despondent the fertility rate the family you know intaction rate is like collapsing when you have men who are weak everything else happens because they're too distracted by like media and pop culture to do anything or stand up for anything mm-hmm. eric yeah i mean uh, that's the honest to god's uh, truth when you talk about this whole toxic femininity thing but you know i go a step further in understanding that uh, a lot of what we have right now uh, that you could point to that's negative has been facilitated by largely um, uh, women <laughs> let's mm-hmm. just be particularly white leftist uh, women it's funny we're just talking about this whole so Hershey true. Hershey uh, so uh, <laughs> Hershey deal you know what I yeah. mean and I encourage you go don't take my word for anything just go look it up from the marketing departments go look up who's uh, in charge of these whole campaigns and you will just see a bunch of white leftist women 
You know what I mean? So go uh, to the drag brunches and yeah. see who's bringing their kids. Exactly, exactly. So you know that's something that you know we'll talk about toxic femininity. You know that 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 I think fits the bill um, for that. But that has to be addressed. I mean, we we talked about it uh, for a year with the whole Leah Thomas situation, mm-hmm. right? When you had people that were so scared, women that would much rather be called. Uh, well, no, it's the, precisely the opposite. They are scared. They would rather the sanctity of their sport be ruined than be called transphobic. So yeah. instead of coming out and being like, this is bull crap that we have this guy who's bigger than I am. I'm 215. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a built kind of dude. Leah Thomas is bigger than I am, <laughs> man. And she's obviously dominating them. And then instead of coming out and saying, well, wait a minute, this is wrong. They kind of do it in hiding. They give out kick or something or, or some platform, a secret story where they have to be anonymous and say, we're against this, but we never dare to say it public. Well, that's what got you into this situation. So true. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be back with more. We need a complete and total shutdown On of white, white women. women. <laughs> so we can figure white out what the hell. Rasmussen has a new poll out showing that 61% of all voters feel that federal agents, they believe that federal agents played a role in inciting the Capitol riots of January 6, 2021. 57% of Democrats also believed that the feds played a role. 57% of Democrats believed that that the feds played a role. I would love to also know how many of those 57% of Democrats uh, care that even though the feds played a role, you still have people in hor- horrible conditions in D.C. prisons for, you know, walking around, marching around the Capitol, waving their flags. Um, so they were asked, how likely is it that undercover government agents helped provoke the Capitol riot? Uh, and then 70 percent of Republicans, as well as 57 percent of both Democrats and unaffiliated voters, believe that it is at least somewhat likely that undercover government agents helped provoke the Capitol riot. 80% of voters believe it's important for the footage to be released. Um, we're still waiting on that. We hear 41,000 hours of footage. Only, so far, only Tucker Carlson uh, has received that full footage. I think it's about time that everyone sees it, but it's just fascinating to me that this many people are like, yeah, the feds played a role. What are you going to do about it? I don't think anyone cares. Like, I, I, they, they believe it. Do they care? I think it's a big, big freaking deal. <laughs> and they don't even, no one even cares. No one's talking about well, it except us and maybe a couple other programs out yeah, there. And, you know, I po- take polls in whatever way that you may. I do think there's a significant amount of people that I think that's, if anything you can take from it, is that that's what it says. A significant amount of people from different sides of the political aisle feel like there was some, uh, some, uh, oh man, I almost used a term that I couldn't use on this show. Uh-oh. Type of thing, ops, let's just say that, uh, that are at play here. And look, Leftists, and this is, I guess, where where we have to understand that leftists don't really care in the sense that, well, it condemned their political enemies. So it worked out for them no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that's how they play. They play dirty uh, for that reason, which is why, you know, a lot of people I've criticized a lot of folks on on our side of the aisle who try to enter into these kind of conversations caring a little too much about trying to play nice with yeah. the enemy that does not do the same. Yep. So of course they don't care that all these people may be wrongfully uh, in, in prison and not having been charged for a certain thing. Or if the fact that maybe there was no, hell, the whole thing was a lie for the most part anyway, when you consider that it was sold on the side that all these people were getting killed, 
when that was false, that, that didn't happen, especially with the Brian Sicknick situation, mm-hmm. which they led with. So, I mean, the fact that they ran with that for as long as they did, like this guy got beat over the head with a freaking, uh, what do you call it, fire extinguisher, and that was completely I false. Know. And they didn't stop sitting, even after it was proven to be incorrect. They never came out and was like, okay, well, this part of it was false. Still to this day, as they talk about it, they say, well, people were being killed as if they were being killed by these protests. No, the Brian Sicknick one in particular, they actually say, well, experts have said that it still could have contributed because he was stressed about it. <sighs> Like, that, they still tried to use that right. as a contributing factor right. to his death. Exactly. Which it says he died from natural causes. Yeah. And which, again, like I said, that they won't ever need to concede that because, again, it worked to their benefit to whatever political kind of angle yeah. they were trying to play. Yeah. And that's, if anything, you should take from it. They don't care how honest you are. They don't care how uh, principled you are in a sense that you cannot argue with them and enter into a conversation with them as if you're arguing with yourself and other individual in good faith because they are dirty, rotten sons of a... Not going to use that word, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just smart politics for them, the way they've been able to weaponize all that like post-9-11 legal infrastructure against their political opponents. We should do the same thing, but like with Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters. And we could, too. I mean, with the cell phone data, uh, I mean, these people usually don't even wear masks, at least in like the BLM ones. And they torched like the entire country mm-hmm. a couple summers ago, and nothing was done about it, basically. And more people, of course, died during those riots yep. than uh, at the, you know, unwarranted, or not unwarranted, what's the word, unauthorized tourism at the Capitol. It's true because, you know, you have the the Department of Justice being weaponized against, you know, pro-lifers, even though the localities, right, the the local uh, police departments and and DAs have decided not to charge these, uh, this Mark Hook in particular, right? The local places say we're not charging them. The DOJ steps in and does it. I agree with you. I think this, this, in the same way that all these Black Lives Matters protesters are being, uh, they're having their charges dropped. Yeah, because they benefit from that. You know, crime is actually very useful for a tyrannical regime. Uh, you saw this in like the USSR as well, where they open up the prisons and free like all the worst people. Because when mm-hmm. people are living in a state of fear and distrust, they can't unify. And it's sort of like the divide and conquer thing, where if you have a population that is low trust, the only thing they're gonna they're going to be inclined to think, well, maybe I can at least trust this because it's ushering in some stability. Big daddy government would has be to the come government. in and save the day. Yeah, because yeah. they still believe like oh, the criminal justice system, well, they're just like mean, and we have an over-incarceration, no, we have an under-incarceration <laughs> problem. And so they're uh, believing these things from the media that's telling them, like, the government's doing the best it can, and blah, 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 and they don't understand how bad it actually is and how the state and the media are working under the same agenda to achieve yeah. that. Yeah, all right, we got to take a quick break. We'll do that. We'll be back. I can't speak today. <laughs> Which sucks, because I speak for a living. Well, uh, it turns out that uh, AOC was uh, found to be breaking ethics uh, ethics violation. She broke federal law by receiving impermissible gifts associated with her appearance at the Met Gala in 2021. You know, that they had just recently announced that they were looking into it because she had received the ticket. Uh, it wasn't just the ticket. She got a dress. Uh, look at that beautiful dress there. Tax the rich in front of a bunch of elitists who think the same thing as you. That is so, oh, man. Wow, how controversial. Uh, Dress, handbag, shoes, jewelry, hairstyling, makeup, transportation, and ready room services at no charge as part of her attending the Met Gala. But she blamed her staffers, threw her campaign staffers totally under the bus when she was talking to investigators. She said, 
And I just never, ever, ever would have allowed that to happen, knowing what I have learned, but that I wasn't privy to the invoices. I wasn't privy to the ones that had been sent. She just didn't know, and therefore will suffer no consequences because that's the kind of world that we live in, which feels a whole lot like the reason why average Americans are so fed up that they would storm the Capitol, I'm just gonna say. Well, I mean, they, they they're held to a completely Look, different set of standards. Yeah, that's how that's how it works. That's what gives them the privilege. This is why it's, why it's so difficult to kind of get rid of that that power because that will require the people that are in power to basically act themselves, mm-hmm. um, and they're far unlikely to do that because they reap the benefits. I don't think this is anything that other people certainly aren't getting in this regards, like other politicians. That is. Yeah, John. Last word. Uh, she should be under house arrest with Alex Stein. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, okay, really quickly, make sure that you go to ripaverse.com. And also, John has a great video on the, the Women's March on his channel. Make sure that you check that out and wow. subscribe. We'll see you Monday. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.